Blog Talk Radio. Landscape. Landscape said so some time ago too. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. Landscapes attack my dear brother Rakim Cornwall. But not each and everyone. Here is landscapes. Where is the rhythm? Where, where's that rhythm? Mm. 
difference of opinion. Maybe strength is is uh, replacing <laughs> rhythm there. <laughs> Listen, yes. as a spin bully, as a spin bully, you got to to use the crease, right? right you got to right. return crease, yes. and you got to stump steer. Right. The ball between those two, I I then never had to go around the wicket to bowl a lot, because by using the crease. I could get close to the stumps on the offside and still bowl and make it go on straighter instead of going around the wicket. That is landscapes. So let's hear from Michael Holden. He says, why we kneel. I want to hear him again. Positive. Well, when I did that interview with Mark Austin, 
I went straight back to the commercial box because I was at cricket. I went back to the commercial box and spoke to my boss, Brad Henderson, my immediate boss at Sky, and I said, Hendo, that's it. I'm speaking to no one else on this matter because people tend to think that it's like you're discussing a cricket game or a football game. They don't understand the emotions that flow through you. You don't just shed tears because you're happy. You know, those emotions, you don't want to face them every day. And at that point, I said, that's it. I'll speak to no one ever. I had people from the USA, NBC, calling me, wanted to speak to me. I said, absolutely no chance. Um, this is not a football match. You, you're getting involved with my life and my emotions. No, no way. But then, as I said, you know, with so much messaging and people coming from all parts of the world saying, this is something that has to be told. This is something that has to go further. That's how I got involved involved with the book. Well, it's not an easy task. And even writing the book wasn't easy. Some of those chapters, I have read them more than once. But some of the other chapters, I've read them many times. Because some chapters I don't want to read again. I sent a chapter to my sister when I was reading doing the book. Because I kept on sending chapters to my sister. They're older than me. And one of the times I sent a chapter to her, she said, Mikey, I am not reading this. I cannot read this. This is painful. So people think it's, it's something that is fun doing and fun going through. It's not. I think, do you know what? I, you, you explain it um, so clearly because I know that in the wake of what happened to George Floyd, his murder, I know that the whole discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement for a lot of people, they describe an experience of exhaustion and emotional exhaustion, the constant explaining of why these things are important and that, that sort of sense of why do we have to keep telling you how bad this is? Um, and, and I know that, you know, that has been a strain. The important thing about this book is that it does explain these things. You, you do feel that it is important to use this time as an opportunity to educate people about what, what you call the, the dehumanization of, of black people. That speech that you gave uh, when Rain stopped to play was, I think, just six weeks after George Floyd's murder. How significant was that moment, do you think, for the movement? Well, a lot of people have told me that they didn't quite understand until they heard me speak. A cameraman who works with Sky, who was not even working on, on that particular game, messaged me immediately afterwards and said, Mikey, I didn't understand until I heard you and I heard some of the stories from Ebony and Footprint as well. I now understand how privileged I am to have never experienced what you guys have experienced. He had a confederate cap that he wore on a regular basis, a great confederate cap. But he said he wore it because he liked the shape, shaped like a triangle. And he said he didn't understand the history behind it. And when he heard me at Ebony, he decided that he was never, ever going to wear that cap again. And he threw it into the garbage. And this is what I'm trying to do. Just get people to understand what it is all about. And education is the way forward. We need to teach all of history. Not just history that suits one set of people. When I was a young man growing up at school, 
I was never taught anything about good about black people and people of color. And I have since discovered all the great things that people of color and black people have done that have been airbrushed out of history. They have been airbrushed out of history because they do not suit the narrative of white superiority. That, what, that is what people have want to portray. And we, until we teach all of history so that everyone, black and white, can understand the true history of mankind, we will continue to have these problems, we will continue to struggle. Because we have people growing up subconsciously are not thinking that they are superior to other races. And we have people growing up subconsciously are not that they think they are inferior to other races. Why we kneel and how we rise is what you've titled the book. At the moment we're watching the Euros. We've seen various football teams over the course of the Premier League season here in the UK or equally around the world. And now the national side decided to take a knee and some of them deciding not to take a knee as well. What's your thoughts about that, Michael? And how do you feel when you hear the boos that the England team face as they take the knee, but equally the rousing applause and the cheering that they get to combat that? Well, I'm glad to see that the rousing applause and the cheering is now getting larger and really outdoing the booing. I am a little bit disturbed by the booing, but it's not something that I'm totally surprised about because, as I've told people, you'll always have racism. You'll always have people who don't want to understand, but it's a matter of trying to get the masses, the majority to understand and the majority to realize that things are wrong and to make changes. It's like crime. You will never get rid of crime, but the less crime you have in the society, the better off you are. As for the taking a knee, I'm not here to tell anyone that they must take a knee because I don't want people to take a knee because they are ticking a box. You either take the knee because you support the cause or you don't. If you don't support the cause, don't take the knee because people are telling you to take a knee. That is not what I'm expecting from anyone. The worldwide acceptance gesture for to support Black Lives Matter is taking the knee. But as I said, don't take the knee if you don't believe in it. Don't take the knee because you want to say, I'm ticking this box, now I can move on, as I've seen others do. I don't want that, and I don't think people really want that. What do you say to those who say that uh, the taking of the knee is a, it backs the Black Lives Matter political movement, as opposed to it is associated uh, with the, the, the importance of the phrase Black Lives Matter? I mean, I, I find it extraordinary that people can't disentangle the two things. But, but do you find yourself constantly saying to people, this isn't about a political movement, this is about saying something very important? Well, I keep on referring to that in, in my book, and I keep on telling people that I have nothing to do with any political movement. When you think of Colin Kaepernick, I don't think when he took the knee, he was thinking about any political movement of that's called Black Lives Matter. He was thinking of the injustices that take place in America and are taking place all over the world. This has nothing to do with politics. I have no idea. I've never visited the BLM website, if there is one. I've never tried to find out who formed it or anything like that. I am interested in the three words. Black Lives Matter. If you add to the three letters after that, T-O-O, people would soon quieten down because all we are trying to say is we matter as well. We are not telling anyone that we matter more than anyone else. 
But all the evidence so far suggests that our lives don't really matter. And it's about time that our lives matter. No. We just, that's all we want, equality. You know, I don't understand why people can't see that. Or some people don't want to see it. So that I, I believe that some people just don't want to see it. And some people will try to pull down whatever they can because they don't want change. They are quite happy with their life. They are quite comfortable with their life. And they don't want to see any change. Well, Michael, we've, we've really enjoyed having you on this morning. As, as Rygate Coach has tweeted to us, if people don't have a penny drop moment listening to legend Michael Holding, we stand no chance. It's so powerful. Your book, Why We Kneel and How We Rise, will discuss all that we've been talking about this morning. Thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you for the incredible job that you do, day job. But more importantly, this is uh, a hugely important task that you've done. Thank you. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, King Frank. I, I was sitting there beside Mervyn, and Mervyn was saying to me, he's going next, but King Frank, I just changed the batting order, as he has the right to do. When Wells came up here, he was saying, thanks for the privilege and the invitation to come to speak about Viv. Well, I am a substitute. I wasn't originally on the team, but a man got a broken toenail, and I, I was called to replace him. But it's a great honor here to come and say a few words about Viv. I just want to tell a few stories about my experiences with Viv. Because you go back many years from we were youngsters. Not that we're not youngsters now. I still feeling kind of sprightly. But I'm still talking about going back many, many years when we were in our early 20s. Because that was the first time I came across Viv. When Viv came to Jamaica to play for what was then the Combined Islands in Shell Shield. And I was 12th man for Jamaica. I yet made the Jamaica team. It comes a very interesting time because tomorrow is the uh, birthday for Right Excellent Cigar Free Swobbers, and they're very good friends. And actually, it's the first anniversary of the death of uh, Old Arthur. In fact, he died um, uh, July 27th, so interesting there. Um, but as I said, we spoke to his family members this afternoon, and I'm hoping that we can maybe uh, reach out to his son a little bit later on on the program. May he rest in peace. Now, the West Indies doing battle against the Australians, doing very well in the uh, T20 series, winning 4-1. But then, in the longer version, the ODIs, having won the second game, not able to uh, complete the job. And yesterday, at the region's Mecca, Kensington Oval, the West Indies lost the game. And we want to do an analysis, and we want to uh, thank the elite selector, Mr. Roger Harper, for joining us. We really welcome your participation. And he is uh, online, on Zoom, actually, and he will certainly be very much a part of the Nation and Guest show. Of course, Dr. Andrew Ford is with us already. He's my co-host, and we certainly would want to speak to Roger Harper, lead selector. First of all, good evening to you, Roger. How are you? Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, Doc. And good evening to everyone. I'm very well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Where are you? Where, what part of the world are you, Roger? I'm in Jamaica. In Jamaica? How come you're in Jamaica, Roger? I mean, the West Indies are in Barbados, 
preparing to play against Pakistan, and then they go to your homeland. There must be something very special about Jamaica. <laughs> yes, very special indeed. The West Indies, we're beginning our preparations for the test series against Pakistan. And there will be two best v best games coming up shortly, so I'm here to, be, to observe those. Mm, I see. All right, fair enough. All right, well, I know that Dr. Ford, your good friend, is itching to get some questions um, in. Uh, the West Indies doing battle, first of all, in the T20s, they won, um, you know, 4-1. But what, what, what happened to the West Indies in terms of the ODIs? They lost the first game, came back, they won the second, but then they were beaten in the third. What went wrong, Roger? Well, firstly, I thought uh, in the T20s, the team uh, played very well. The very first game, I think, where uh, they didn't bat very well, but managed to really, you know, um, squeeze out a victory there. And then from there, they, they, they played very well. They lost the fourth game, but rebounded to win the fifth game and take the series 4-1. The sort of batting came uh, into its own as the series went on in that uh, T20 tournament, uh, in that T20 series against Australia. But coming to Barbados in the ODI, different format, longer format, as you pointed out, I think the, the team generally found the, the pitches a little challenging and didn't adapt as well as they should in, uh, to the pitches from a batting perspective. Never really came to terms, came to terms with the pitch and um, was not able to, to, to sort of produce the sort of uh, collective batting performances that was required. Mm. Well, let's spend some time in the pitch, though, because your, um, your captain, Pollard really gave Kensington and Oval in terms of the pitch a failing grade. Um, are you surprised about the pitch at Kensington? You would have played a lot of cricket at Kensington. Well, uh, one of the things that um, you expect, at least when you play uh, a shorter version of the game, whether it's uh, ODI or T20, you expect a pitch that's consistent in bounce and pace. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a lot of variation in both mm. bounce and pace, I mean. Mm. So, but, but, um, were you disappointed at the pitch at Kensington? Andrew, I, I described the pitch. I don't think it's, uh, I need to say what I'm disappointed or happy. I think it's not the sort of pitch you expect for limited over cricket. Mm, I see. Well, um, I'm disappointed. I think that the pitch at Kensington has deteriorated over the years. Um, I know, in fact, when you played at Kensington, um, obviously that would have been what in the 80s. Um, could you could you describe what the pitch was like when you first played for Guyana, when you came to to, to Barbados, Roger? Well, when Guyana came to Barbados, always because when Guyana came to Barbados, the pitch had a lot of grass on it. <laughs> it was always a little damp in the first innings, and it always have a lot of bumps. The ball, you know. At least two feet above the stumps on 90% of, of each occasion of, of the occasion. Mm. But um, generally, the pitch, the pitch uh, and bounds was consistent. You know, uh, the game went on. Mm, I see. Uh, but when you when you look at the pitches, uh, you started in St. Lucia, then you went to Grenada. No real complaints, and, and now Barbados and several. 
several, several complaints about the pitches uh, in Barbados. And what was interesting for me was that um, even the construct of the Australian side, they recognized that they were what, what they were going to be expecting. And the last ODI, Roger, they played the extra spinner. And we ended up actually having our captain bowl two overs of off spin. That was rather interesting and strange in my view. What was strange? That he bowled the off spin or? Yeah, yeah, that was strange. Wasn't that strange to, you, to see, to see um, Pollard bowling two overs of off spin? Well, he was out on the field. He, maybe he thought that that was what was required at the time. I can't speak mm. for exactly what was going through his mind. Mm -hmm. Or he thought, you know, he might be able to do some magic. But um, yes, um, we we opted to boast our to try to, to beef up our batting, so to speak, because the, the top order was not uh, sort of producing the sort of runs we were looking for, mm -hmm. and sort of lost early wickets. So. That was why the, the, the swap was there for Mohammed and Hesmaya. I see. Well, I thought I thought Paul had misread it. He got it wrong. Despite the fact that Mohammed has not been getting runs, I thought his off spin would have been um, would have been useful. And I think I think Paul had certainly, in my view, got it wrong there because you know I certainly would have kept Mohammed in the side. And even if I was going to bring Hetmar in, then I might have had to maybe look at maybe just easing out someone like a a cocktail from the team, but of course that's, that's, that's in the past. Just before Dr. Ford comes in... But Andrew, I must, I must, I, Andrew, I must pick up in there though. Pollard is not the one that made the decision. The selection panel, which includes Pollard, made the decision. Okay. So I don't, I think, I think that, you know, you're, you're stretching it a little far to say that Pollard got it wrong by not including Mohammed. The selection panel made that decision. Okay. So and Pollard, I of course, is a part of the selection panel when it comes to the final year. Oh, okay. So the select. So you're saying that the. I just thought I, I just thought I'd clarify that. Okay. So the selection panel would have made the decision in the construct of the the team, the final eleven. I just want to get that absolutely clear. That's not that's not a one man thing at all. Well, and Pollard and and Pollard is a part of that selection panel when it comes to the final eleven. Oh, okay. That's is is that something new that um. Because I used to think that the captain, you know, if you, you have 13 players on the morning of the match, the captain would be the man to say, look, um, Mason and Ford, you, you, you're not making it in the final 11. Has that changed, um, Roger? Well, that is not how it works at, at uh, this level. Oh, cool. The selection panel on the advice of the captain okay. names the squad. Mm -hmm. But when it actually comes to the playing 11, mm -hmm. The chairman, the coach, who is also a selector, and the captain decide on the final 11. Okay, all right. So, so it meant then that the, the selection panel got it wrong then? I think the selection panel got it wrong in Barbados. In my view, they should have recognized that the people well, taking spin. You agree, Roger, on reflection? So are you saying, Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, what you're saying then is that if we had the extra spinner, we would have won with 155. Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I, all I'm saying is that the Australians recognized that they had to go with the extra spinner, extra spinner, given the conditions at Kensington Oval, and they did that. What we did was that we reduced um, the side in terms of 
not playing the extra spin. In fact, we went into the game with five bowlers, which was, in my view, was a bit of a gamble too. You, you agree with that? It was a bit of, uh, of a gamble. Like I said, we placed emphasis mm. on our batting mm-hmm. and trying to ensure, because mm. that we thought was our greatest challenge, okay. trying okay. to get a good total, mm-hmm. whether we were batting first or second. Mm-hmm. And we were not able to get a good total. I see. So if we got a good total mm-hmm. on the board mm-hmm. and the bowling let us down, then I think you know it would be fair for you to make the sort of comments that you're making. <laughs> I see. Right? But but you did say let me qualify that you did say that was your opinion, so I can't really challenge your opinion. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, and I think on reflection, I think um, I think we made a mistake in terms of the final construct of the side. But let's let's, let's move on, Roger. Um, in terms of were there any positives before Dr. Ford comes in? Any positives in this ODI series? Uh, positives, uh, you know, we had the odd score here and there, but generally, from mm. a batting perspective, mm. we were not able to, to produce the sort of total that we were looking for. Mm. And, and that's what led us down in, in the very end. I think collectively, we did a decent job with the ball, I think Aki Hussein bowled consistently well, Walsh bowled well, you know, as well. But um, I think uh, Azari Joseph, you know, was very consistent also with the ball. Mm-hmm. But generally, generally, I think, you know, as a batting unit, we didn't put it together. It was good to see the way we chased the, the target in the second game, mm-hmm. you know, and I think... Um, you know, Jason Holder uh, was able to hold things together at the bottom there, battled with Purana. I think he helped also to mm-hmm. sort of guide him through and keep the focus there, and we got to that total. But generally, our batting, you know, was a challenge. It was, yes. In fact, just before Doc comes in, you, you have Puran in, in three matches. Um, what, what, what did he make in terms of runs? 62 runs, highest of 59. Lewis, three matches, 56 runs, highest of 55. Hope, in the two matches, 52, just 38 runs, averaging 26. Pollard, in three matches, 69 runs, highest of 56. Holder, uh, 57 runs, um, in three matches, highest of 52. And I, I, think, I, I think we can go to... So Hetmara played in two matches, uh, 17 runs, highest of 11. And Bravo played in how many matches? Three matches, 20 runs, highest of 18. That does not inspire confidence at all, uh, lead selector Roger Harper. Well, like I said, Andrew, just confirming what I said, you just provided the stats to support what I said. That's, you know, <laughs> bad very well. Mm. Well, we haven't one or two challenges. Um, I, I know that you're in that um, lovely, lovely suite there in, in, in Jamaica, because I think we, we tend to hear you better when you are in Guyana, but we, we, we're going to make it, Roger, sometimes your home is better in terms of the internet. Uh, uh, Dr. Ford, is your internet good? You don't normally have any challenges, do you? Good evening to you, Doc. Good evening, Andrew. 
Hi, good evening, Andrew, and good evening, Roger, and, and the listeners. I I hope it's good. <laughs> uh, Roger, let's let's go back to the batting, Roger, because um, none of our batsmen were able to pass 100 runs in, in aggregate in three matches. And the, the interesting thing is that Puran, Lewis, Pollard, and Holder both scored half centuries, yet the highest aggregate was 69, which, which shows that in two out of three innings, all of the top batsmen had some very, very low scores. Uh, the Australian Pacers dominated. What did you see uh, from your cricketing knowledge that was the deficit since we, we seemed to capitulate to, to pace uh, on, the, on the wicket mostly? I, Doc, I must point out as well that the Australian batters also struggled on the surface. And if you look at the stats, you wouldn't see that much difference from what you read from, you know, mm-hmm. West Indian guys. But um, our focus, of course, is on the West Indian players. And I think you must realize as well that in Stark and um, when he it played, um, season, you have, you know, a world-class bowling attack. And Stark, you know, is a handful, is a big challenge with the new ball. And then when he comes back in the middle of the inning and at the death. So he's always going to be a challenge and always, you know, a very potent bowler. But um, I think it is adapting. Our biggest challenge, I thought, was adapting to the conditions and playing the situation as well. You know, okay. being able to spend time in the, uh, on the pitch and uh, uh, when we chase the target down, I talk, I'm speaking particularly of the partnership between Holder and Puran. Chase the target in the second ODI, you know, we, they, picked, they rotated the strike, picked up a lot of singles, and then picked off the loose balls. Once they got in, they picked off the loose deliveries when they came along rather than trying to create shots more often. Well, well, I mean, I, I asked you that because um, the captain said the pitch was unacceptable for international cricket and absolutely ridiculous. But, but the thing is, the methods uh, employed by the two teams varied so much. We were destroyed by pace through the air rather than off the pitch while we used the pitch with our spinners in Hussein and Walsh to, to dominate the, the Australians. So I think the Australians would have tasted the, the ravages of the pitch much more than, than, than we would have. But the, what about Mohammed and, and Bravo? I mean, I know the batting was bad, but when you look at Mohammed and Bravo, I think we're taking it to a, to a different level of uh, achievement here. So looking at, at Bravo and Mohammed, what, what do you think we need to do to rehabilitate these two and, and to make them look like international cricketers? Sorry, what do I think was? What do you I think? I didn't get a question. Looking at the, the lack of attainment of Bravo and Mohammed, especially in such a poor performance, what do you think we need to do to rehabilitate uh, these two international cricketers? 
That's an interesting question, Doc. Um, I look at someone like Bravo who, who came out of the last one-day series. That would have been a series against Sri Lanka. And a three-match three series, he averaged 70 yard, including a century. In that series, I think he, he, he struggled. He didn't uh, perform here in this series. So that is something we have to look at going forward. Uh, Mohamed, um, you know, didn't get any huge scores against uh, Sri Lanka in the series before. He made uh, consistent uh, contributions with the ball again in that series. But he came out of the Super 50 going into the Sri Lankan series as the leading batsman from the Super 50 tournament, the leading batsman in terms of runs Right. So, and he came here and he didn't perform. So, you know, we have to take all those things into consideration as we go forward. Uh, the getting back to our bowling now, which is the brightest spot. Uh, we had Akil Hussein uh, and Walsh, and then to a lesser extent, Alzari Joseph. Uh, Joseph was able to take six wickets as well as Hussein, while Walsh took seven wickets. Uh, when we look at the, the overs bowled in the three matches, we, we realize that Akil Hussein bowled his full complement, but uh, Hayden Walsh was, was short of his complement by only three overs, but Joseph only bowled 21 overs in the three-match series. Do you think we may have underbowled Joseph and maybe had a bit too much of maybe Mohammed or, or maybe uh, the captain himself? Well, Andrew was saying we didn't have enough of Mohammed because he was calling to him in that last match. But listen, <laughs> that's a question that, um, you know, I think that the captain is out there. He plays as he sees it, mm. you know, and, and use the bowlers as, as he sees fit. Um, maybe on occasion we may, we may differ in, in what we think the, the approach should be, right? But um, certainly if you bowl, if you have, um, you know, more than your complement of five bowlers, depending on the circumstances, depending on the conditions. You may want to give a particular type of bowler a, a few more, more overs, and that would mean cutting into the, the bowling of another, right? So maybe was it that, um, that the spinners bowled too many or some of the other teamers could, he could have bowled instead, instead of them? So all those are questions you have to answer and it depends on how you tend to use your, your, your teamer, you know, and how you use your spinners. I think if you find situations where your spin is being very effective, as was the case in that uh, second ODI, you know, you try to get as much of out of the spinners as possible, which means that some of your fastballs will not be able to bowl the full complement. Okay, but um, we, we know that uh, Walsh got a five-wicket haul, and we know the end that he dominated from, and we, we realized that that end was, the, was kind of a, may have been a preferred end for the spinners. But in a third match where we have a low score and we are banking on our knowledge of what won us the match, uh, what, well, what would have helped us to get wickets earlier, mm. it doesn't surprise you that in the last match, defending a low score, we didn't bowl out our, the few spinners that we had instead of keeping, keeping them back because uh, not bowling overs when the match is over uh, doesn't help. You would have thought that Walsh would have gone in early and tried to to make inroads so we could have had a chance at, at bowling out the Australians. Yes, I think that um, you know, in, in those situations, you try to use 
whichever bowlers you think will bring you the wickets whenever they can. But as well, I think when wickets aren't coming sometimes, then you try different things. Right? To try to see if you can get that wicket. And that sometimes I think, you know, if you just don't put enough runs on the board, you you, you find a situation where you can't just be content to not to just not give uh to, to, to have a steal where, you know, you're just being restrictive and not allowing them to score too quickly because the total keeps coming down all the time. So sometimes, you know, you just try things. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're looking for wickets to use your wicket takers and I, I say that that Walsh and Joseph were the wicket takers and and ending the match without them bowling out their complement and losing shows that we probably weren't trying to take wickets or, or weren't thinking about trying to take wickets. But you did mention um, about the best of the best that you're getting. You're, you're having the, the meeting in Jamaica or getting ready to, to roll out for the test series. Any news about that or, or that you can uh, share to the public? Well, no, except that the players, the players are here in Jamaica. Most of the players are here in Jamaica already. Can we be privy to the names, or is that uh, I, not correct? I, I think I, I would like to think the squads were the, the, the list of players were released weren't they? Okay. Andrew, do you have no, a no, list no, of I the, don't. The squad for the best? No, I don't. Do, do, do you have it, um, lead selector Roger Harper? Did you send it to me? I don't have the full list here, mm. here, here at hand, but... Uh, but who are some of the names? You know, who, are, who are some of the names? Uh, they, 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 most of the guys who have been involved in the best be best before, uh, Imran Khan has been added to, mm. to the, the, the players here, and... Um, yeah, but... Imran Khan? What's, what's the last Imran being yeah. added? Well, apart from Imran being one of the players who's performed in a four-day tournament as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. Uh, I think we we also playing Pakistan and they also have like sinners, so okay. it's a two-fold thing. I see. Uh, um, Roger, so what? Andrew, and- yeah, oh. go ahead, Doc. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Doc. You're making the point. Doc, continue. Oh, okay. So no, I I was just asking uh, you if you had. Um, if you if you were looking for a leg spinner, if Imran Khan would have been hmm. first and foremost in your mind. Well, I would have to look around. Um, what are the leg spinners that we've got? I mean, anyone in Jamaica that we can think of? Anyone in Guyana? In Barbados? I mean, Imran Khan has been around for quite a long time. He's been reasonably successful for the uh, for the Trinidad and Tobago side. But I just want to ask you though, um, Roger. What's the latest on Fabian Allen? Um, is, he, is he recovering? Is he going to be available to play in the T20s? Roger? Roger? Okay. Seems, yeah, seems no. like we're... Yeah, no, no. But he's... The that, have, have yeah, but I think he's having one or two challenges there. Roger, we're going to try to... Um, to to get him back pretty soon. Roger, are you you with us again, Roger? I'm there. Yes, yes, I know. I I, I, I must say that we don't get these challenges with you when you're in Georgetown, but we seem to be getting the challenges with you uh, in in Jamaica. But we'll we'll battle through this. I was asking, what's the latest on Fabian Allen? 
Is he going to be available to play in the T20s? Hmm. All right. Um, I think we have Seems a... like Roger Rosen there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not. Um, hmm. I didn't hear that. Okay. Um, we, we were asking. We were asking. What's the latest on Fabian Allen? Is he? Is, is he going to be available to play in the T20s? Oh, can you repeat that? What's the latest on Fabian Allen? Is he, is he going to be available to play in the T20s? We, we, we know for the uh, ODIs he was, he was injured. Is he recovered now? No, Fabian Allen is still struggling. Oh, struggling. What about Ralph? So, so is um, Fidel Edwards and um, hmm. Obed McCoy. Oh. What about Chase? What about Ralston Chase, uh, Andrew? I mean, uh, Roger. Seems like Roger Chase is here in Jamaica preparing for the best game. Okay. Okay, Roger, are there any other players that you think we should know of that are included in the best be best team? We don't have the we don't have the uh, listing of the players. Are there any other new players that have been added that you're excited about or that we should know about? Well, like, like I said, the, 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 the player who has not really been, well, he played the, mind you, he played the best, best game in Antigua, I think. Mm. He didn't play the one in St. Lucia, but he's there. And that's the man can. Okay. I okay. See. Mm. Uh, what about Shane Dowrich? And what about Shane Dowrich? What's the latest on him? Haven't heard about him in a long time. Well, Roger. Roger, what about Shane Dowridge, if you, if you hear me? I think Roger's is struggling now. Um, yes, yes. I, I think yeah. I think Roger is, has an intermittent... Yes. Intermittent... Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing. But, but Andrew, it is... A, but Andrew, it is a bit surprising that uh, the players could be assembled and... Mm-hmm. In an area, and the cricketing public doesn't isn't made aware of it. I don't think it's mm. the mm. it's the something that you know has to be kept under under wraps. You would think that would mm-hmm. would have been ventilated mm-hmm. earlier. Roger, Roger, are you hearing us now? Because because if you're not, what we can do, we can we can call your um, your hotel room. Would that be okay then, Roger? Because we want to continue the conversation. Um, is it is it best for us to call you in your hotel then? Can we do that? I am hearing you clearly. Okay, oh, okay, okay. You're hearing me clearly. All right. So, so you said Fabian. Well, Al- if, if, if that that might be better, I'm not sure because the internet is. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll do that. We'll, we'll do that. So, so you you log off. Um, our technical man here is saying that uh, you know it's not good radio. So what we're going to do, we're going to call you in your hotel room. Thanks, Roger. We're going to call you right now. And I'm sure that we would have a much better line. But what we're going to do, we're going to pause for business calls. Mason and Guest is brought to an association with a very good friends at ASFE White Rum, the best shot of the day. Yeah, we are listening to Mason and Guest. Hope to Join them in a short while. 
We want to invite you to be with us each and every Sunday from 6 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll continue with Cricket Talk heard every Sunday at this time. We trust that you may join us. And if you also are available, you can join us on Saturday mornings. We have an entertainment show from 9 until 12. Pure entertainment. And just as a pre-show to bring in the, the cricket show each and every Saturday morning. Just that you are enjoying the show and hearing clearly. And sometimes we experience some problems, but today it's not that bad. Back to Mason, I guess. All right. I think we've got our problems sorted out now. Roger was having some serious challenges, uh, but I think we've got them on the line. We also have um, a steam panel, of course. Uh, Dr. Askerman Singh is with us, and we've got Philo Wallace. Um, so, so let's let, let's go to Roger. We're not going to keep him too much longer because we know he's a very busy man. Are uh, you, you, Roger? Um, let's make sure we hear you loud and clear. Yes, Roger. Yes, Andrew, I'm here. Okay, good, wonderful. Okay, so you're saying that Fabian Allen is struggling and will not be able to play against Pakistan. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's Fidel. Edwards, so are Fidel Edwards and Obed McCoy. Okay, what's what's the problem with Obed McCoy? Um, Shin splints. Ooh, and Fidel? To put it in uh, the injury with his arm. Mm -hmm, I see. Now, how does this affect your preparations as you prepare to pick the World Cup squad? I think, is it September the 17th, am I right? For that date? Well, by, yes, by then, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you worried with these injuries coming up towards the selection of the, the World Cup squad, Roger, with these injuries? Well, let me put it this way. We, we prefer not to have to deal with them, but you know that uh, it's all part of the game. Mm-hmm. I see. All right. All right. Now, um, in terms of Pakistan now, what are your expectations? Well, I expect that we will build on our T20 performance against Australia and you know, perform well and try and win the series. Mm-hmm, I see. And you also expect uh, pretty good conditions in terms of the pitch there in, in Ghana. You know the conditions in Ghana well? Well, the, 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 the pitch in Guyana is usually uh, a bit sluggish as well and, uh, you know, not one that uh, really encourages mm. a lot of exciting stroke play. Hopefully it will be different, but... Uh, yeah, but uh, I think that's what is expected of the Providence pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's been like that for a while. So it's going to be an interesting uh, T20 series, I think. Mm. Just before you go, Pakistan has been playing pretty good cricket. You expect a tough contest against Pakistan? Uh, Pakistan is always a very competitive team, and I think uh, they always play well against West Indies as well. So, uh, of course, I expect a very tough uh, mm-hmm. competition mm-hmm. and a tough series from Pakistan. I see. Uh, Doc, any final question for your good friend, lead selector Roger Harper, before he goes? No, uh, I wish Roger all the best, and I hope that we can we could hear the the selection for the best of the best uh, in the near future. Mm. All right. Well, Roger, I want to thank you for coming through. We had our challenges on Zoom, but we're 
hearing you loud and clear. And we wish you a good evening there in Kingston, Jamaica, the land of wood and water. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And good night to you and good night to everyone. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. All right. So there you have it. Lead Selector Roger Harper. We're going to stay in Jamaica. Dr. Askerman Singh is with us. Of course, we've got uh, Philo Wallace who would have listened very closely to uh, what Roger had to say. And, of course, Tony Gray, uh, who is going to be the new creator at Kensington Oval because they seem to need some help there. Um, let, let me say hello to you, Philo. How are you, my friend? How are you doing there in, 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 in England? Hi, good evening, Andrew. Good evening to your panel. I'm fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> England, is, England is good old England. Mm, good old England. I don't, don't worry about the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to say also, I like to offer my condolences to the Bob Branker, the former Barbados and uh, West Indies player. Mm. Uh, I share holdings with the legend, the former director who passed away. And I really like to offer my sincere and deepest condolences to his, to his family. Mm. Uh, and, and I obviously the, the, the cricket legend family, the cricket fraternity in Barbados and I throughout the Caribbean and across the world. Rob Branker was was a, a, a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. I never saw him untidy, <laughs> and you know I've had many meetings with him as a director of Cricket Legends and also as chairman. And he, he, he I learned a lot from him, and and I mm. I, I deeply missed him. And I know that uh, Sir Vessel and Sir Charlie Griffith, David Adam, uh, the relationship that those guys had, you know, is it, it, amazing. And and I hope that the relationship continues. And I know it is it, continuing. Mm-hmm. They'll miss Rob Branker, who was always that, that one to bring a, a bit of calmness and jovialness as well mm-hmm. uh, to Eden. So he'll be greatly missed. Uh, and obviously, we have to celebrate his life. Mm-hmm. He rests in peace, Andrew. All right. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, Dr. Mansing, how is good old Jamaica? Well, Jamaica is still good old, but we're uh, forecasting some rough times with COVID coming up. So yes. heard that we've had a a reinstitution of some some of the earlier curfew orders, um, hours, etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, explain that a bit because I was talking to some of my um, people in terms of trying to get a commentary team there, and they're having some challenges too. Um, but it seems as if um, what you're not following the protocols up there in Jamaica, was it? Yeah, it, it's a bit of uncertain times because our absolute numbers are not that alarming. In that, you know, today, for example, we had about 54 cases. I remember at our height, we had 800 cases a few months ago per day, and 500, that sort of thing. So we came down quite nicely. But the problem was, or is, that our positivity rate, which generally you try to get to below 5%, meaning that 5% of your samples are positive, mm-hmm. we've never quite gotten it down to 5. We got it between 5 and 7, 5 and 8. That's crept up to about 18% now, which means that there's a lot more happening. And of course, the Delta variant, which is ex- extremely contagious, is both in the UK and the, and the US, both of which are the main insources to, to, to Jamaica as far as tourists and other people are concerned. And with one of the lowest vaccination rates amongst our population, what we're fearing is that this thing can eat through very, very, very quickly and, and you, you could have some very severe, um, severe infections because of the lack of vaccination. Mm. So, so because of that, Turkey mm-hmm. was moved back to 8 o'clock from 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and 3 o'clock on Sundays and public holidays. Oh, dear. So, so Jamaicans are not getting vaccinations at all? Well, what's the rate? Well, we have, we have close to about 7.7% vaccination. I think one Seven. vaccine amongst about 9, 9% and, and about 7% of the, vac- of the population fully vaccinated. So that's very, very poor. Mm. Why is this, though? 
but a lot of it is is vaccine hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been made open to people of the vulnerable age group for the last what four months, mm-hmm. and I think those who wanted to come forward have come forward. The rest haven't. There are a lot of youngsters chomping on the bit. They had a little blitz a few months ago where some of them were vaccinated. I think the others are willing to get vaccinated, but they haven't reached that age group yet. So obviously getting vaccines is not the easiest thing, but they, they've managed to get vaccines enough. The problem is that the hesitancy has been quite, quite startling. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the West Indies uh, uh, squad, um, all, all of them are fully vaccinated or you still have a couple that are not? I would say we're on the way. And what I mean by that is that there are a few who still are awaiting their second dose, mm-hmm. just the timing of the second dose. Mm-hmm. Um, my recollection is there might be one or two who are just not vaccinated and the rest are fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So you say, what, 90, 95% then? Yeah, well, certainly you know, by the time they get their second dose, you'll be looking at all but one or maybe two. Mm-hmm. But um, for now, I'd say that, you know, uh, I can't hazard a guess for percentage, mm-hmm. but we have quite a few who are just awaiting their second dose. Mm-hmm. I will probably get it in mm-hmm. Jamaica. You know, the time would be right when they come to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Well, of course, um, <laughs> good question. Um, Comments, somebody's asking, will, will they be mandated, those who um, are hesitant? Wrong. If you talk about the country in general, then I think you can incentivize it. You can't really make it mandatory just yet. Right. Uh, we have seen some countries where it's mandatory for certain sectors, for example, mm. health workers and so on. Right. And other countries where they've made it extremely difficult for people who are not vaccinated by mm-hmm. making them, either prohibiting them from certain cases or mm-hmm. making them pay for their PCR test. The Prime Minister certainly indicated that he's thinking along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're talking about West Indies cricket, then once again, you cannot mandate. No. Uh, but what you're finding is some of the professional leagues overseas are certainly mandating it. And I think most of the guys are understanding through education the importance of getting it. Mm-hmm. But there really hasn't been that level of hesitancy that you would have expected. Mm-hmm. What, what, about the, what about the women? I know Doc has got some questions for you. How are the women looking? Uh, my, recollection, my recollection is all of them are vaccinated, but if they're not, it means that they're just awaiting, some mm. of them may be awaiting the second dose. Mm. Mm. I should point out that we had a very good gesture in Jamaica where the former head of the, former coach of the female Jamaican football team sent some Johnson Johnson vaccines to sports persons in particular. Oh. And that allowed, and entertainers, and that allowed a lot of the cricketers and others to vaccinate themselves over the last two weeks. And of course, Johnson Johnson being a one dose means that in two weeks they'll be fully vaccinated. So that's helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we go to, to Doc, what's the latest on Raw Lewis? What's the latest with Raw Lewis? Mm. As far as I know, he's he's doing whatever he was supposed to do. Mm. I know that he had to leave because he had um, some personal issues. My understanding is that he's gone ahead and tended to that. Oh. So, 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 I mean, so the reports that we got in the press, they, they were not correct then? Was he not um, positive? I don't recall seeing a report with his name associated to it. Oh, okay. So then the media all got it all wrong, um, Dr. Ford, because we didn't you see... Saw a report with his name associated to it? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there was, I mean, it was a talk all about the place that um, he was. Um, but I didn't see a press release from West Indies, uh, Cricket West Indies, talking about it. So you're saying that um, he wasn't then? No, what I'm saying is that what Cricket West Indies had stated is that one of the non-playing staff members okay. had, had a, a, 
a concern for which we have to obviously care because we have to we have to put up postpone a match for okay. the safety. Okay. But as it turned out, everybody was negative. All proper precautions were taken, and the series was completed. Say that again. As it turned out, all precautions were taken. Everybody turned out to be negative who were tested, mm. and and the series was completed. Oh, okay. The, 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 what, what are you reading into that? Because I got some very interesting information today. You know, they always drop these little things that I'm going to speak to um, man, Dr. Mansing about because I find that comment a very interesting one. Doc, um, I, I, I'm beginning to wonder now. Talk to, talk, talk to your, fellow, your, fellow, your fellow man, your fellow doctor, Dr. Mansing. Good night, Dr. Mansing. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Doc. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, Dr. Mansing, for, the, for us who, who don't really understand it, uh, rationalize the, the positive test of the non-playing individual within the West Indies group. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to preface it by saying I'm not trying to be difficult here. I'm just trying to, obviously, if I have certain information, which is privileged, then I, I'm, I'm going to protect identities and so on. But we had, prior to the start of the second one day, we had um, mm. an alert that somebody may have tested positive. And because of that, we, we decided that we would bring everybody back and isolate them until we found out what the extent of, the, of, of this positivity could be. Um, and therefore, the match was abandoned. Unfortunately, you know, we got the, the that news just prior to the start of play. Mm. And the safest thing was to bring everybody back, put them in their rooms, and test everybody to make sure that they were all negative. Um, all of those tests came back negative, and that was in excess of 100 odd tests, if I remember. Okay? You're looking at the squads, you're looking at all the television crew, you're looking at all the people in the hotel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they were then tested again to make sure that everything was fine. And all of us came back negative again. And, that, and based on that, we had quite sort of involved meetings with the Australian medical team in Australia, mm. along with their representatives here and our own medical team. And it, and it was deemed safe that we could continue with the series. And so with that little hiccup, if you want to call it that, um, and I say hiccup meaning that it, it was clear that it wasn't an extensive spread, that there was in fact no no threat to anybody. And, and mm. with that, we just continued with the series. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I just want to clear up that one, an ambiguity that's coming through there. Is it that an individual had a presumptive positive that on subsequent testing was negative, or is it that someone tested positive? We were, we were told of a positive test, for which we took all the precautions, as I said. Okay, um, six, six mm -hmm. And so was, that person was positive and remained positive. Um, you, you didn't do a test the, the next day and the person was negative. That person was positive, and my recollection, I did not see, my recollection is that the test the following day was also positive. But that okay, well, that's so the the question, of that course, is, the question, of course, is the, you know, you have titers as well, as you understand, right, which tell you what effective they are and so on. And happily, they weren't in that, you know, low titer stage, which is more dangerous. Um, okay. The second test. So are you at liberty to say if it's an individual that traveled with the team from the previous uh, uh, location to Barbados? Are you able to tell us that? If it was an individual who traveled and was negative on, on, you know, on three previous tests, yes. Okay, so I come back to my initial question, which is how do you rationalize someone being negative and leaving one location to another and becoming positive 
on arriving to the second location while everybody else remains negative. Uh, and that's exactly what, yeah. I'd mm -hmm. like to hear from you what, what you think of that. Yeah, so as I said, that's exactly why we went into complete lockdown. Because mm -hmm. that was the biggest you know, concern to us. So how could somebody within the bubble have, have turned out to be positive? Um, as I said, as it turned out, um, nobody else seemed to, to, to have been affected. And even the person in question um, didn't have those high titles that suggested that, that it was, you know, in other words, if, if you're asking if there was a false positive, it possibly, possibly could have been. Okay, so you don't, you don't think that individual breached the bubble, that which is, I've been skirting around it, but that's the most direct yeah, that's way. A very, that's a very good question. And, and, and we absolutely sort of, you know, question the person, question everybody around them. Um, we know people who are in close contact with him the, the day before and so on. We question them as well. And we can, we can say that we have no evidence of anybody reaching the bubble. Okay. Well, that is a puzzle um, mm. in itself. Mm -hmm. But um, the next question is, a non-playing member of the squad uh, who is in contact with the squad, how, how for the rest of the, the general public, who is accustomed to individuals who are under lockdown and tested, being tested a second time, how do we rationalize uh, the squad not having another test and the series being even more delayed than it was? I think what happened was, as, as we said, we tested everybody the, the, that day itself. We tested everybody the following day, um, including the person in question. It, it came down to the titles and the fact that the, the sort of, of titles that the person had, the, the CD titles, Mm. Um, did not really put people at risk, and and therefore, you know, it was it was a, a discussion with all the players, all of the medical people. It was figured that there was not a major risk to people um, mm. to continue with the series. But but do you agree that if if there was a transmission, it probably would have shown up uh, in subsequent days rather than on the same day the test was done of the whole squad? Absolutely, and that's why continuous testing is taking place. Even after that, they're, they're being tested afterwards as well. Okay, when were they tested again? Well, the team would have left, those who would have left would have an exit test. So at the end of every series, we have an exit test as well. We did some extra tests in between because they all were scheduled to have an exit test on any hall. But we did um, tests in between, all of which were negative, mm. and the exit test would also have been done. Mm -hmm. I see. So, um, the, the doctor, Doc, Doc, I have a question. As a man of science. Okay, continue, Doc, because I have a question for Dr. Mansing. Continue, Doc. As a man of science, how can such findings without the bubble being breached be explained? Uh, it's, a good, it's a good question. The, the bubble, so this, you have to look at all aspects, but you do have people from even outside who could have come in, from local staff and so on, who might have come in as well. But happy, all of them tested um, tested negative as well. So you start wondering if it could be a false positive. Mm -hmm. But you said the person tested positive again and, and was negative before. So with the, the duration with of the positive the duration of the positive titers suggests it's not a false positive. No, uh, it doesn't actually. I think I think I think when there's closer scrutiny, you probably find that it was. It was actually something which, which was more tending towards a fault. Um, uh, I just want to ask a question. I, I know you're, you're going in a very interesting direction here, Doc. Um, Dr. Mansing, from the assessment of yourself and Cricket West Indies, are you suggesting that when you've done your investigation, it was a false positive? It, 
the way things have panned out, it seems that there's more likely to be something of that sort. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, 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 so that certainly... And, and, and reasonably enough that everybody was comfortable mm. that we could continue without putting anybody at risk. Well, Doc, well, 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 Doc that is the story for tomorrow. Doc? I mean, Dr. Ford now. Well, well I'm wondering, wondering what's the precedent <laughs> since we're using the... Uh, our PCR tests are, are, are the standard... You know, we're using standard tests. So I'm wondering what's the precedence and mm. if this is something that could happen here, is, is there a known percentage for such an anomaly? Um, it's, it's fairly rare. It, it's not like it's never happened before. And that's why you sort of do some further investigation for the testing and see what's happening. So I'd have to call it an anomaly, which is the, the important issue. Mm. But, you know, when, when you think of, of sporting events and COVID-19 and all the things that have happened, it is a, a bit of an unusual uh, stance for Cricket West Indies to be so tight-lipped about such a, an event uh, around uh, a sporting squad. I, I am not aware that other individuals find it necessary to be, you know, they, they're so cloaked in, in mystery when, when such a thing happens. Is this, is this something that the medical panel has has suggested, or is this an administrative uh, decision to to keep the sporting public uh, pondering mm -hmm. this unfortunate quote unquote um, neg well serious test or what, whatever you want? To call. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the details that are pertinent to the to the mm -hmm. circumstances are all out there. Right. Um, and 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 you know that's something that's. Mm -hmm. I think everybody is shared in every sport all over. When you get these tests, mm -hmm. there's certain measures that go into place. You analyze, you retest, and then you you, mm -hmm. you do risk assessment. Right. And that's what was done here. There's nothing nothing that anybody's hidden or or mm -hmm. is being tight lipped about. The fact that we're talking about it now means we're not being tight lipped about it. All right. But if you're asking about personal details and things like that, then clearly there's a confidentiality issue that that needs to be respected. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. All right. Um, we, we, I'll stay with us, uh, Dr. Manson. You got to come back to you, of course. We got. Philo Wallace and Tony Gray. We want to talk some, some cricket now. Uh, Philo, um, first of all, you would have played, you captained the Barbados side, you would have played test matches at Kensington Oval, and I'm sure you would have seen what the captain of the West Indies side said about Kensington Oval pitch. Your response, Mr. Wallace. Well, Andrew, to be honest, uh, I was not impressed with, it, with, it, with it, the surfaces at Kensington Oval. Uh, only last night I was in a meeting. Uh, I think that uh, Comey and BCA needs to get their act together. Mm. I know a lot of cricket has not been played in Barbados because of one thing or another. But if you have a series that is so important to West Indies, I believe those services need to have had it on them. Their franchise mm. players who are at that, the over practicing, they could have gone out there and given the practice it's a little run. And I think that did not happen. And they turn out that the pitches remain really dry. And another thing, too, I want to ask Captain Pollard. Do we talk to the groundsmen? Do we talk to the head curator about these surfaces? You saw how the pitch played in the first ODI. Were you happy with that surface in the first ODI? Do mm. you think that you can take it upon yourself as West Indies cricket captain? Ask the curators a question. Can we get something a little better for the next two? Or are you going to play on three pitches that were offering a bit of spin? And then after you lose the series, you're going to say that we're very poor. And coming out to St. Lucia, you expect. But I think that our, 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 our 
captain and our coaches, they need to speak to the curators and find out what has been happening with the surfaces. Now we are going, we're going into a T20 series against Pakistan. The T20 is going to play in Barbados on, on the, at the surface that they played the one day game. Maybe mm -hmm. then they go to Guyana. Are they going to go to Guyana and just play cricket before asking the question? And then they test matches at Sabina Park. And there's a squad in Sabina Park. So only select, I don't know why he's monking around. The guys are in, in Jamaica to preparing for the test series. And that needs to be known. But when, all that's done, I believe that our, our, our captain should be able to say, listen, I am not happy with the surface. I would like something better. I don't mm. think it looks good on Barbados at all, Andrew. Mm. That comment, that those comments that were made about the oh. services. Very strong, you know, very, very strong comment. Very strong. And you're tending now to see why the cricket, international cricket is going away from Barbados. Mm. I also think that the BC and Comey needs to, to pay a bit more attention to pitches. I can remember the more pitch, the more cricket that was played on Kensington over when I used to play, the occupied that, that ground, the pitches used to be better. Now we are seeing less cricket at Kensington and Oval, and the pitches are not so good. Oh. That is something that needs to be revisited. We need mm. to look at that. Mm. That cricket play at Kensington Oval. Mm. There's no more club there. Pickwick has gone up to, to Forge Square. Mm -hmm. But you need to play more cricket at Kensington Oval for the surface to be accustomed to, for cricket. It is not accustomed to cricket, although it's a cricket venue. But less matches are playing. So the surface, the way it seems to me, to me, they don't understand how the pitches will play. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Tony, your response to all this? So you, cricket you, needs to play at Kensington. Yeah, Tony, you, you, you got some yeah, at Kensington. Um, not many, not many though, not many. Yeah, the first game I played for, well, plenty. Um, <laughs> the first game I played for Triandra Bego, uh, I played it at Kensington, and uh, I couldn't uh, see any difference between the pitch and the outfield. Ooh. It was that green. Um, <laughs> over the years, uh, it got slow and low. But I have to say, Andrew, that I was very disappointed with the pitches at Kensington because, as uh, Pollard said, rightly so, um, you know, you, you can't go from St. Lucia and make the transition to a 50-over game playing on a pitch like that. So it was really disadvantage to um, Western Indian batsmen because we have concentrated on Western Indian batsmen. I mean, it was not a perfect, um, you know, one-day international pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, too much of uh, seam movement, too much of fluctuation and bounce, uh, too much of two-piece. And it really wasn't the ideal pitch at all. And I, I think that Pollard had, um, you know, uh, the right to say what he said. But uh, he didn't negate the fact that uh, the batsmen, the Western batsmen, have been very um, poor against pace and spin. So that magnified the problem playing on that sort of surface. Mm -hmm. Okay, J just before Dr. Mansingh goes, because we're not going to keep him too much longer, um, um, let let's come back to you, Dr. Mansingh. Are you surprised that we didn't get spectators in a Kensington novel? Well, that really is a government decision, and that's a decision which, <laughs> as you've seen, some islands decided it, that they're going to go. Is it a reasonable, it, it, it is a reasonable, it is a reasonable, it's a Mason and Guest question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a government, it's a government decision. Mm. Um, it's, in our, it's up to the countries. To be honest, a lot, when we started this season, we didn't anticipate spectators anywhere. Right. As things you know, unfolded, you saw spectators in, in uh, Grenada who were vaccinated. We saw spectators in St. Lucia, etc. Right. It really is a, it's a call. I mean, if I was to look at Jamaica, for example, right now, um, I'd probably say on current standings, we might be able to have spectators. But what's going to happen in the next week or two, we may not. 
Right. So it depends, you know, it changes from week to week. Mm. So in the end, it has to be what's in the public good, you know, safe for the public. So clearly cricket is not the same without spectators, especially in the Caribbean, mm. but at least it's cricket being played. But, but, but were you surprised that Barbados didn't have spectators? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a difficult question for me to answer. I'll tell you why, Andrew. Barbados yeah. has been very cautious, very, very cautious in how they've handled this this pandemic and, mm-hmm. and in some extent admirably so too mm. and so i think the risk assessment would have been done i'm mm. sure it would have been considered mm. and if that is what the decision they made then i, I have to say that they've made some very good decisions up mm. to now mm-hmm. so you'd have to take the local landscape and, and i don't know if i'm that in touch with the with the but there's several but, 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 but there's several people vaccinated there, there's several people back, vaccinated in barbados they, they could have come like like Saint well, Lucia. Right. There's several people vaccinated. They, they could have come like Saint Lucia yeah. and, and like Grenada. Don't you agree? Yeah. I mean, as I said, it's a decision that the government has to mm. take. We've seen in other countries where people are vaccinated, you have sixty thousand people in in the stands, mm. but you don't know what the sequel of that is. So I will not blame any any government for being cautious. Okay. I know people are chomping at the bits, they are impatient and so on. But you know, this is a this is unprecedented times in a very serious pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, you know, we just have to tread cautiously. I see. Well, um, I mean, if they wish to, they can. If they don't wish to, I'm not going to come down hard on anybody. Okay, fair enough. Right. Uh, Dr. Ford, any final question for Dr. Man Singh, who's got to um, go and check those results again, coming over to Barbados, false positive? <laughs> uh, Dr. Man Singh, the, the visiting Pakistani uh, squad and the and let's say the Australians and the South Africans before them, what, what can you generally say about the vaccination status of, of the touring teams that have been here thus far, as well as the Pakistanis that, are, that have just got here? Um, good question. I know that the, I mean, if you start from the beginning, the Sri Lankans didn't have a very high vaccination rate at that time, neither did we. Mm. Uh, the South Africans had a very significant number of players, if not all. There were maybe a few who were not vaccinated, but by and large, everybody was vaccinated. By that time, so were we. The Australians were all vaccinated. Um, and some of them completed it in the Caribbean, by the way. Um, and, and Australia, of all of these countries, was very, very strict on who got vaccinated in their country. So it didn't matter if you played internationally and so on. If you weren't of a certain age stage and so on, you just didn't get it. So it was very late that they got their vaccinations based on the country rollout. But once again, by the time they're leaving here, all of them are going to be vaccinated. Um, my recollection of Pakistan, and I honestly can't remember the numbers, but I do know that the vast, you know, the significant majority, if not all, are vaccinated as well. And that includes the females who have come as well. I think Pakistan had a very robust vaccination program with their sports people. Remember, Pakistan has also been on the road for a long time, so they, they, they would have, you know, left their shores some time ago. And I believe that they did leave with significant vaccination numbers. All right. what, what would be your preferred... Um, mm-hmm vaccination status for for consistent cricket to be played in the West Indies and globally? Well, I mean, one hopes that you know, there'll be 100% vaccination. Um, the truth is that we know that there's just enough evidence out there to show that this virus is attacking people and that those who are vaccinated are less likely to get severely ill. Now, I do know people, quite a few people, who had both vaccines and still got the virus and are still feeling lousy, they feel very weak, they feel very um, sort of out of sorts, but they're not in hospital. 
And I say that for people to know that even after you've been vaccinated, you still have to take precautions. Um, and you can imagine if a prisoner were to get the virus in spite of the vaccination, they feel weak and all the sorts. That rules them out of, of competitive cricket. So we still have to take all the precautions, but clearly you don't want anybody in the open hospital um, on a respirator. And the only way that seems to be possible right now is through the vaccination route. I'll also impress upon everybody that these vaccines will be redundant in, in a few months. Mm -hmm. And we'd have to get boosters because it's a race between vaccine and virus right now, mm -hmm. and it will mutate. So clearly, you know, we want everybody to be vaccinated, and we we hope that they appreciate what the benefits of being vaccinated are. Um, in fact, you're getting some response here. Final one. Someone is saying, "How come CDVI did not keep here and Walters' positive tests quiet?" Doc. Yeah, I mean, I, I, at that time it was, it was made public, yeah. Um, I tell you one thing, I tell you one thing that's very important, and, and this is done on every case, you get consent from the player or the person. And if the person does not wish their identity to be revealed, you do not do so. And that probably answers this question. Mm. All right, well, I want to... Uh, well, yeah, yeah, beautiful answer. Well, Dr. Mansing, always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope that some fans are in at Sabina Park. I hope that things settle down in your wonderful country. And let's hope that when the Pakistanis come, that we have Sabina Park with people there. Um, I, I got into Kensington Novel on a PCR test. Um, I haven't taken the vaccine as yet. I know Dr. Ford has been encouraging me to. Uh, um, Tony Gray, are you fully vaccinated, Tony? Not yet, Andrew. So the answer is no, then. Not yet. Yeah, well, obviously the answer is no, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you always beat around the bush with me. Tony, I'm asking you. Are you fully back? Do, do you have one? I said one not job? yet, Andrew. Oh, hold on, hold on. You, you have one job or no job? One job? One job. Yes, you, you, the word is fully, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, well Dr. Manson. I, I would like. Yeah, yeah Dr. Dr. Manson go. Yeah. I would like to ask Dr. Manson. Sure. The person who was tested positive, was that, is, is that person fully vaccinated or have one or have been vaccinated once? Mm. No. Um, you know, I. I my 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 recollection is that person was fully vaccinated, but I can't say 100% sure just because mm -hmm. I, I don't have the recollection. What I can tell you is the person was not unvaccinated. Oh, wonderful. All right. So it was in, in, in a gray area. Mm. It was in a gray area, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fully vaccinated. Right. I'm fully vaccinated. I don't take chances. Right. Well, I wear well, my mask. You know, if I'm the only person wearing a mask. <laughs> Dr. Bansing, I want to thank you very much indeed for coming through and talking to us. Always a pleasure to, to talk to you. And, uh, of course, you'll continue to wear your mask. Thanks so much. I encourage everybody <laughs> to do the same and to get vaccinated. Yes. Well, I, I know you're going to send me a note now. But um, I'll tell you, they're listening, they're listening to you in Kingston because I've gotten several WhatsApp messages uh, here. Some I can't read, of course, um, but um, very much uh, listening to you there in Kingston, Jamaica. That, in fact, that one came from Kingston, Jamaica. All right, Dr. Manson, thank you very much right. indeed, and enjoy the rest of your Thanks evening much. in the land of wood and water. Okay. All right, so okay. what we're going to do, we're going to pause our business because when we come back, 
We're going to open the lines. Yes, we're going to open the lines. And we want to get your participation at 723. Of course, Mason and Guest is brought to the association with ASAP White Rum. Yes, Mason and Guest. We are joining them to bring you this week's episode. Hope you are enjoying it. You can always listen to us each and every Sunday from 6 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hear Cricket Talk, heard nowhere else in the USA. We have a host of panelists, some six, seven of them, uh, live each and every Sunday, discussing every aspect of cricket. Turn our attention back to Mason and Guest. They were actually just dancing around ACC right from the best shot of the day. And Dr. Ford was also doing <laughs> a little bit of a shot, Andrew. <laughs> well, I like it. The best shot of the day. All right. We're going to take a call. Yeah. Heading to 7.30. Hello. Welcome, Mason and Guest. Hi. Good evening, Andrew. How are you, Randolph? I'm not too bad into your... Are you, going to give us, are you going to give us the best shot of the night? Well, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> well, my shot is going to be a very, should be a very good shot. Let's hear you. I must say, Andrew, that let me commend uh, your broadcast team mm-hmm. on the, your commentary of the games here at the Barbados End. Yes. But as usual, was top class. Mm-hmm. And what I found in, in the commentary from this end, there was not cheering. You all were not only cheering the West Indian players. Right. And they played good shots mm-hmm. or did good things. We cheered. Everybody mm-hmm. who participated in the game, right. unlike previous matches, uh, within the, the other exception would have been Grenada. I thought Grenada commentary was good. Mm-hmm. I think the, the guy did past the worm. Past the Stevenson worm. Right, well, fantastic. Mm-hmm. St. Lucia ain't, or you wouldn't believe sometimes when a, when a ball went to the boundary, you wouldn't believe that for it was playing. Ooh. I mean, it, it was so, so dead and... Mm-hmm. It, it was so one-sided, but it was glad to see that. Mm-hmm. As usual, the game here was always well lifted up here. Well, you know, well, you know the thing, though, is that, you know, we, we get constant practice. We want to thank, you know, the Barbados Cricket Association, of course, CBC, uh, who have started the broadcast of cricket at a long time ago, VOB very much involved. So a lot of our commentators, they do get constant practice. I think that would help I, as well. I think what I think what could be, would be good. I don't know who would pay the bill, mm. but especially from the Leeward Island and and Windward Island side, mm. they need to come up here and do some practice yes. in our elite and our, with our elite games right. and how we commentate and mm-hmm. you know and carry the games up yeah. here. Not not you, you hear them for St. Catherine and when mm. in fire. No, know, I agree with you, uh, Randolph. I agree with you, and I know I've always felt that uh, radio is not. You know, I, yes, I've even told that to Cricket West Indies as well. And if you get good broadcast, people are very much involved in it. Like you can almost feel, you know, the the, the difference in the standard. I'm not going to obviously, you know, uh, call in any, any country. But if you get good, if you get good broadcast of cricket, people will be naturally turned on to it. In terms of the cricket. I think our West Indian team, we need to have a lot of work done, mm-hmm. uh, like getting to, going to the World Cup. And I, I, I tend to think that the players right. of the West Indies, we seem to think that 2020 cricket, so long as you're winning at the 2020 level, right. you're on top of your game. No, 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 no. This is the, the pure of I thought we, we didn't perform as good as a good, good bowling. And Australia, 
when you look at it, the Australian side down here was really down about seven of the, mm-hmm. seven good players who were here. And yet they did well. Um, and, and, top and, and, bowlers and, 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 in Hazelwood and Stark, you know? Oh, yeah, man. And here's, I mean, they start on. Ooh. I mean, it was on player position. World, cl- world class. Hazelwood, you are. find it very difficult to really get the ball off, mm. off the square, you know. Mm. At least he got hurt. I hope he will fully, will be fully recovered now for his 2020 game. Right. And everything will be all right. Anyhow, good luck to the Thank guys. Thank you very much indeed, round. Randolph. Bye. Well, 441790. 441790. Can we take another call? We can. Uh, Ken is in the studio. Good man. Ken. Good hello. Evening. Good, evening. Good, evening. Good evening to you, sir. Are you are you well? Have you have you taken your shot? Oh, oh yes, I'm fully vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you don't want yours, you can give me them, you know. <laughs> Good evening, Phil. How do you do, man? <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Hudson. I'm fine with us. We're both fully vaccinated. I don't understand why Andrew no, is so no. scared. No, I'm going to do it soon. I'm going to do it soon. You don't like being sick, Andrew? No, I don't. No, I don't like the Chinese. You need a little scared of him. No, I don't like the Chinese. All right. Let's go and take another call. Hello, welcome. Be careful. Hello, welcome. Good night, Mr. Mason. Good night yeah. to you. Good night to you. How are you? Where are you calling from? Are you calling from St. John? Christchurch. Oh, Christchurch. Barbados is biggest parish. <laughs> Did you know that? I might hear so. Talk to me. Yes, sir. Um, about the um, 50 overs. Yes. We can always struggle because men like start and then men got 10 overs, not four. <laughs> you're right. You're right. They can pull four, yes. come back with three, yes. and they come back again. Same as the levels as well, yes. And some of them yes, so we can always struggle. Tend to go to square leg too. Yes, we don't like it fast. Mm. But what I would like to the commentators, yes. you, you know, we have good commentaries and things, but what I want the commentators, mm-hmm. when a toss is pitched. Hmm. I want to hear the commentators say if a team should batch or bowl. Don't wait till a team lost hmm. the four wicket mm-hmm. for no runs and say that they made the wrong decision batting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A man can make the right decision but it's batting and bat batch. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting comment. Man can make the right decision, the bowlers bowl bad. Yeah, that's true. I want to hear the commentators say I hmm. believe hmm. we have at the very start, everybody batting first. You want to hear the opinion first. Yes, so we got some first hurt. before before point eight. Right, I agree. I agree with you. But then I could say X Y Z. All right, but I congratulate the West Indies for the four normally Australia was a darn strength, but when it came to the bowling, mm. they have good bowling. I agree with you in terms of that we got it wrong. When we tried to go for pace and Australia read it, we went. Yeah, yeah, to play the extra spinner. Can you imagine Kendra the Nova being a spinner's paradise? <laughs> I mean, when Phil Wallace played, I mean, he would have had some pretty good fast bowling. Tony Gray would have yeah. gotten a wicket or two there. Because Tony never got a lot of wickets in his career. <laughs> but, but I mean, but you things, know, the Halston days of cricket in our Kensington Nova, the pitch was a very Things good have changed. I continue to um, say hello to um, Jamal. Yes. I tell you, keep up the good. Oh, one. Jamal Smith, wonderful, wonderful, yes. wonderful. Very good in things. Tell the talk and everybody to continue with the good work. Yes. I'll continue to listen. You continue you, to, you, to have a good day. You listen to me. You listen to me. Seven. It gets a lot. You listen to it every. Uh, every every, every time I'm available. Yes. No, no, no. You got to make sure that it's compulsory listening for you. Um, give up all of your appointments to make sure every Tuesday <laughs> at 6.15 that you are on Mason and Guest, like Tony Gray. I, Even when I, was listening to, I was listening when it was Mason and Beth. Like, <laughs> you know, I like to speak up. All right. I like to hear these things because I would like to hear those people that 
smaller mm. brigade right. of Kenyans. Yeah, tell fellow Kanteo it is good work. No? Yes. Yeah. I hope he's a good lawyer, he's an analyst. Well, okay. well, 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 he's going to be top notch. <laughs> I like <that. laughs> okay. All right, let's, let's take another call. Thank you. 7.30 in the country. Hello, welcome, Mason and guest. Peace be on to you Peace and yours. Peace be on to you. Is that Gail? Yes, please. Am yes, I naughty? Sir. Was I naughty during the conversation? Yes. Man, you giving people real trouble. You want to know who had the job, the shot, everything. Mm. <laughs> um, to your distinguished guest, good evening. Mm-hmm. Not good evening. Yes. You got Philo Wallace? Yes, I said distinguished guest. No, no. Hello, me, the doc. Everybody has said good evening to the doc, but he didn't, re- he didn't reply. But no. I am calling. I was talking about West Indies. I am calling this evening on the behalf of my family and I. Right. And the priest that was named after the Brankers, mm-hmm. Father Branker John and Dominica, on the behalf of him, right. my family and I. Mm-hmm. We want to pass on deepest condolences to the Branca family on the passing of Rod Branca. Right, right. right. Um, to um, Empire Club. Right. And the Cricketing Fraternity. Mm-hmm. Wonderful man. We pass our deepest condolences. And you would not be here but to see what you man come from St. Philip, but you, you're you a wise and wicked one. Wise and wicked. <laughs> no, well, that's good. Ricky too, Ricky yeah. too. Oh, that's wise, wicked, and, and wicked. Ricky. WWW. Right. Mm. All we need now is I need all the best to each and every one and right. stay safe. And I right. enjoy it, but you make me laugh. All right. Well, I try to. I try to make everyone laugh. <laughs> uh, we're going to take two or three more calls, then we're going to go to Phil Offer's assessment, of course, of the situation. Mason and Guest, hello, welcome. Hello. Hello, welcome. Hello, Mason. Good night, man. How are you? Are you calling from Antigua? Yes, Mr. Mason. What part of Antigua are you calling from? Are you calling from Erlin, where Sir Andy Dan Roberts was from? Dan visit Mr. Mason. Okay. What do you have to share with us this evening? Well, Mr. Mason, I'm surprised that you didn't get information. We're just quite going to Barbados. So you seem to have all the information we put it around. What, what information is that? You was quite that assembly in Jamaica. I was shocked that you didn't have that information. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, but, but you, know, you normally have, yes. normally have the yes. normally have the start. Yes, yes, yes. But um, concerning the game, the the the, the, the in Barbados. Right. The pitch. What's the problem with the wicket in Barbados with the, with the curator, the groundsman? What, well, what's I the don't problem? know. I, I don't know. They seem to be leaping in the dark. Yeah, because what I'm saying, right? I mean, we seem to be trying to pitch anymore. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I, maybe Philo can come in here. Um, let, let Philo come in. I mean, Philo knows Kendrick the Novel well. He would have played for the West Indies and, of course, for Barbados. What do you think is the problem, Philo? I mean, you highlighted that you need to play more cricket. Andrew, but talk to me. Andrew, we had this, I had this discussion. I had this discussion with some guys in Barbados. Right. In England. When Kendrick the Novel was quick, they had a little man called Boomer. Yes, yes. Needs to pull a roller. We have gone out to drive mode. So there's no more pulling of a roller. Mm-hmm. When you pull the roller, you get the set of binding mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. surface. The right. surface is not binding because you can drive more. It's a big, heavy, rocking, inking thing on the roller. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to go back to our local standards of the train pitches. Mm-hmm. Get, the, get the guys to pull the roller on the surface and, and get the surface nice out there and get it binding. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Philo, mm-hmm. can I ask Philo. you a question? Yeah. What has what has been done to keep uh, the education of the past um, in this era? Because we used to prepare 
wonderful pitches. And it's not just Kensington Oval, uh, but Border. All pitches were different. And that's why our players were comprehensively developed. What has been done to keep that knowledge of the past? All these guys that um, have gone, um, you know, passed away with all this knowledge. Anything has been done? Well, they've passed away with all the knowledge. We don't have it on a memory state. Oh, that's a problem that we have. In so we, we, our, our curators, our good curators are not being recognized and respected. Oh, and their knowledge is not being kept in any, oh. in any historic place. They don't mm. see value in a curator. Because mm. I, I believe Abul Mesut had the right, the right answer. He was then followed closely by Apple. I know this Hendy, Hendy is still at the Oval. Mm. But I don't understand why Hendy can't get quick pitches. Mm. Because for me... Well, Vincent Reed is a correct now, I understand. Vincent Reed is the manager. Yeah, but he's supervised by Mr. by Mr. Richard Edwards, mm. so I don't know what is. Well, 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 I'll tell you, I tried, I, I tried to get Vincent Reed on. Let me say to you, I tried to get him on this afternoon, and I, I, I couldn't, and I called Richard Prophet, who's actually in England. And so I couldn't get um, either of the two. You know, okay. but the thing is, Andrew, is that you mm. used to cross roll the wicket. There's a much cross rolling with the drive more. Oh. And these are things that we need to look at. Yeah, we don't cross roll the pitches anymore. Mm. Because the way how the drive more and the, and the, the roll is, is, is right. attached to it, I don't think it can happen and that you. kind of way. So I think that we need to, we need to look at the broad right. spectrum of preparing pitches mm. and try to. And try to do try to do a, a critical analysis of how the pitches were prepared, right. how they're being prepared now. Some kind of level playing field of what we need to do to get them fast. Mm. I, I remember playing a one day game against England at the Oval. Midnight scored a hundred, Andrew, and it was the truest pitch I've ever seen at Kensington. You could shut the eyes and play right. shots, Ooh. but it was a one day game. And I, would, I was expecting for this one-day series to see a true Kensington Oval. Mm. And, and, and that, that was my, my honest opinion. You know, people are going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting Pollard. I, 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 don't, I, I think he has merit in what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Because when you come to Kensington Oval, you expect a true surface. Mm -hmm. Even if the ball turns at Kensington Oval, a true surface, the batsman can still hit through the ball. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that in these three one-day games. Nice and it's going to be very interesting to see how the T20 pitch yes. matches up. The action tomorrow. continues, of course, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Yes, caller. Andrew. Yes. Yeah, yes, Andrew, before I go, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, Paula. He, he, he's one of the better captain in the Caribbean. He made one and two mistakes in the match, in the ODIs, with the, as Dr. Ford made a very important point when he was talking to this, to Roger Mr. Harper. Harper. Right. Yeah, if you have mm. the two spin bowlers in the squad. Yes. Yavedua Jr. and Akil Rossi. Right. Yeah, they have the ball. They're they a quarter 20 of every match. Sometimes mm. they bring in the, the, the um, Hedenwa's too late. Yes, 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 yes. He, and yeah. Kutchil is not working and giving too much over. China has mm. tried something different. That's mm. just not in the... Yeah, he wanted to mistake he makes. He's mm. he brilliant, but I don't know if it's really pressure or what, but made some, some bad mistake. Mm. And Philo. Mm. Yes, please. Yeah, man. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm almost big up, Philo. Right. The contribution to the past. Right. All right. Thanks. You, you analyze, you analyze the cricket good. You know, you know, you know, based on whether it's Barbados, Jamaica, you call us Spirit. Right. All right. Thank and you. I'm honest, Paula. I live honest. I'm happy. And you're afraid to make decisions. So when time then sports come, 
Yeah, we always put the question to other people. He needs to make decisions so we can hear him and find them. So, 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 so am I on the fence? Is that what you're saying, Carla? Yeah, and too much time. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me one example when I'm on the fence like Tony Gray or Rowan Butcher. I'm sure the day when, when the game was called off. Yes. He keep asking, he keep asking other, other Bayesian commenters, which I, yeah, this squad, he, he don't face you. You, you, you not making... The guy, you were asking about Chris Gale and other players. Yes. And you failed to make a decision. You need to say your decision and then the other journalists. But, 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 hold, but hold on, caller. Hold on, caller. So what's my position on Christopher Gale? You, you, the other day, you, you were um, asking other journalists and failed to... You, but, you were on the comment. You know, no, but, you but, but I'm you. asking you. I, I said that. Christopher Gale you going to... You're on the fence too much, Andrew. Not at all. Not at all. But it is, it is my function to... No, I ask questions. I ask questions as a host of a show, but I've made it very clear that I feel Christopher Gale's selection to the World Cup is risky. Didn't you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah but you're growing in a, in a hit the street. No, but, but there's yeah, nothing going wrong about that, caller. I said, I, said, I said that Christopher Gale's selection to the World Cup is risky. Didn't you hear that, sir? No, I didn't hear that. Okay, you well, you heard it now. So, therefore, am well, I still in the fence? I want to hear well, I will come to the World Cup. You came to the World Cup? I will take Fidel Edwards to the World Cup. All right, okay. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest, um, of course, of your evening there in Antigua. And we're going to try to uh, go just quickly to Ghana now. Uh, we need to know what's happening, of course, after Barbados is the turn of Ghana. Barbados should have had two matches, but just one. Let's go and talk to Imran Khan. Is he with us? This is not Imran Khan of Pakistan, by the way. He's the Prime Minister and you will not have access to him. This is the Imran Khan of Guyana. Hello, Imran. How are you? I am well, Andrew. Ne- neither am I the Imran Khan who has been brought into Jamaica to bowl leg spin. So I hope that <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. That's a classic. Now, first of all, um, how is it in, in, in Guyana? How are things going? Are you any rain today? Andrew, be, before I answer, if you'll allow me just a few seconds on behalf of all of us here in Ghana to right. express condolences to the family, friends, members of the Empire Club and the cricketing and business fraternities in Barbados and the passing of our brother, Raul Branco. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a very sad day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a historic day because today is the first time I've ever heard anyone accuse you of sitting on the fence. a lot of worry, a lot of concern 
about that decision. In fact, if you'll allow me, sure. uh, the most popular, I would say, local newspaper in a daily column that is written anonymously, but is known to be written by high-profile persons in the society, um, had some very harsh words to the decision. Um, let me give you two quick excerpts from, from that column. It says, the decision of the government to allow a quota of 6,000 persons to attend the cricket matches is mind-boggling. This is a crazy decision to allow as many as 6,000 persons into a single venue at a time when the pandemic is still raging is simply incomprehensible. Mm. So some very strong words in Diana's, uh, one would say, leading daily newspaper. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Andrew, I think another important point um, which needs to be highlighted is the fact that the 40% capacity has been apparently calculated on the basis of full capacity. You will know that there's a very party mound that is uncovered. so obviously that the capacity of that uncovered party mound would have been taken into consideration. You will also know that the free stand, commonly referred to as the orange, green, and red stand, large portions of those stands, even though they're considered covered stands, large portions of those stands um, have things in the open area, open sun, and certainly when there is rain, persons will have to vacate those seats. Oh, I see. And seek mm-hmm. shelter by rushing either to the top, back of the stands, or under the stands, which will naturally allow for clustering, uh, and that will bring persons into serious risk of potential spread of COVID. So that that is a significant concern as well. Oh dear. In, in, in terms of the vaccine rate, though, um, what's it like um, in terms of are people rushing to be vaccinated in Guyana? Um, well, there is, I would say, steady progress in terms of persons being vaccinated. I think the official figure at the moment is that 26.5% of the adult population has been vaccinated fully. Mm-hmm. You will know that the requirement for entry into the ground will be full vaccination, right. meaning that you have to have both of the, the doses at least 14 days before the match day, the match of the cure. Mm. attending so mm. we've, we've got about 20 of the adult population of the country fully vaccinated um i'm told we have about 50 percent of the adult population who have had at least one um one shot but we have some worrying figures so far we've had a total of 530 covid related deaths we have an average of about four deaths per day mm. um, per day is, per day that is uh announced by the Ministry of Health. Uh, For example, yesterday we had 31 confirmed cases, positive cases of COVID. So the numbers continue to rise alarmingly. And it is as a result of that that many persons in the society are very surprised by this decision to allow uh, as much as 40% capacity of Providence for these three T20 matches. But there certainly is significant interest among the many cricket fans in Guyana in those matches. Mm-hmm. Doc, any questions for Imran? Imran? What is the protocol? Sorry, sorry, sorry. What is the protocol on masks? On wearing masks, Imran? Uh, all masks will have to be worn 
frogs by all um, spectators mm. within the ground, oh. and all and also um, the workers. All the workers, the media personnel, will have to be uh, fully vaccinated for 14 days prior to the match day, and they'll have to wear masks. So, except of course, I presume um, mm -hmm. when eating uh, and so forth. Mm. Doc, any questions for Imran? Okay, um, I, I think I think I may have missed it, but is that stipulation for vaccination for the for the six thousand in the in the crowd as well? Yes, all persons in the ground, oh. um, staff, officials, um, and especially spectators will have to be fully vaccinated, both doses, and they would have had to have had the second dose at least fourteen days prior to the match, uh, the match day. Mm. Do you expect... Okay. Based, on your, based on your knowledge of the socialization, this, the, the way, the behavior at cricket, do you think that distancing and protocol can be, mm -hmm. can be affected at, with that type of volume of people? I would say that the decision is, is a risky decision. Um, the same, the same article or column that I referred to. Um, if I may read another excerpt, a short excerpt from it, it says, mm -hmm. "It would be interesting to know what metric formula the Ghana government used to decide to arrive at the decision to permit 40% attendance maximum for the cricket matches." It would be even more interesting to know on whose advice this decision was made. Um, I am not aware that that information has been publicly disclosed as to whose uh, advice was taken by the government, but certainly it has to be considered uh, a risky decision. We will have to await the public responses to mm. see whether quick fans um, capitalize on the decision. I certainly expect that some will. Whether mm. we will have a 40% 40, 40 capacity, I am not sure, but if it does happen, I won't be surprised, mm -hmm. given how some persons have been taking mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the approach to engaging in social activities here, other events, non-cricketing events. Um, there, there, there has not been uh, total compliance with the measures here and there, and if I may put it that way. Oh, dear. Well, Imran, I want to thank you for coming through and talking to us. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. What, what are you doing nowadays, Imran? I know that you were uh, with the Cricket West Indies, then you went into politics. Your government only lasted five years. So what are you doing now? You're like Chastney. I mean, you only lasted five years, Imran. What happened? Well, we're in opposition, Andrew. I'm serving as the Director of Communication in the Office of the Leader of the Opposition. Uh, we hope to return to government in the very near future after the <laughs> multiple elections that we had last year. Uh, you will know that we have two election petitions in the court, right. and those are those those are being addressed by the judiciary. We expect favorable results. It may have to go all the way to the CCJ, Ooh. which we're entirely prepared for. CCCCJ, and you got to, and you got very competent lawyers. Of course, I know that Ralph Thorne to C went to um went to um to to Ghana and did some work with you. They noted to C Ralph Thorne. We also have local senior council member of parliament, Roy Dale Ford. Oh, brilliant, man. You see John Jeremy out of Trinidad and Tobago and a number of other very prominent mm. regional uh, attorneys who are assisting. 
Right. Okay. Thank very you. Th- thanks, Imran. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you very much, Andrew. Pleasure. Right. Now, Tony Gray, what, what went wrong with the West Indies side, Tony? Uh, we lost the series, um, Tony. Um, you know, I mean, when you look at it, 2-1. Are you surprised that the West Indies lost, Tony? Tony's with us? Well, not already. Um, I think that we've... Yes, Tony. We're not seeing your face anymore. What happened? Are you eating or something, Tony? I was about to leave. <laughs> I was about to leave, Andrew. Okay. okay. So why, why do you think the West Indies lost? Well, obviously, the batting is a concern. Uh, we, except for the Sri Lankan series, we've not been doing too well. I think, um, obviously, uh, the transitional periods are always mentioned that from format to format. If we are playing on good surfaces in St. Lucia mm-hmm. and we are playing consistently T20 cricket, then our players have problems making the transition, mm-hmm. especially the batsmen. And obviously, uh, we have some technical issues. Uh, if we have some technical issues, then we will have some concentration issues and uh, the confidence level of our players um, were not good, mm-hmm. um, especially in batting on trying surfaces. I mean, if you watch the last uh, one-day game, mm-hmm. uh, the type of shots that we played, we didn't mm-hmm. uh, play percentage shots. Uh, we didn't play situational cricket. Uh, we didn't adjust the, the state of the pitch. Uh, we were just not um, disciplined enough. And uh, that has been a factor that has uh, really and truly declined West Indies cricket over the recent years. So all batting is a problem. Mm-hmm. And we have to do some specific work where that is concerned. Mm-hmm. And what about the leadership of Pollard? Were you happy with it? Yeah, I mean, people have uh, criticized him publicly um, on Facebook and that sort of thing about his mm-hmm. uh, taking up the ball and bowling. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, obviously if you watch what was happening, the Australians were absolutely brilliant at setting a game plan. Um, they had their captain on the night, Terry, batting early. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, good move. He's a very good sweeper of the ball to negate uh, the spin of uh, both um, Walsh and uh, Akil Hussain. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at uh, the other person involved, um, uh, Wade, Wade is also a wicketkeeper batsman, but yeah. also sweeps the ball well. Very well. Yeah. So Pollard, in um, employing himself off breaks, uh, just to try one or two overs, it's not a bad uh, ploy at all. Remember, Say that again, Tony Gray. Rafford. Say that again, Tony Gray. Pollard bowling towards the Vosphonians. But I am, and this, I have to respond. To a, hold on, hold on, Tony I'm Gray. That the, you were saying to me that Pollard bowling two overs of our spin was not a bad ploy? It was not a bad ploy at all, considering that you had two left-handers. Okay. And they were very combative to the spin mm. of both uh, Akil Hussain and also Hayden Walls Jr. Right. Remember, these guys are both three for the ball. Okay. So the changes that Australia made mm. was um, ideal type of batting changes. Mm. And that's the sort of thinking that we need in West Indies cricket. I see. Uh, Philo, your assessment of this? You, you agree with your good friend, Tony Gray? Andrew, Pollard bowling two, two overs are off break. To me, it's, 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 I don't know. I don't see the sense in it. Pollard should take the ball and bowl a little bit. If they custom bowling, it would have been more effective. I think that what has happened to West Indies cricket, particularly mm-hmm. the 50 over game, mm-hmm. and I have to commend Evan Lewis, huh? I thought that when he came back to bat, he batted properly. Mm-hmm. 
and, and that's the kind of thing we like to see top of the order. Mm -hmm. So when you see that kind of thing coming from Pelosi, we expect our batsmen have some kind of common sense and how to adjust, but mm -hmm. they don't show it. Mm -hmm. I think our batsmen need to understand that 50 overs, you can at least build an inning. Right. And right. I agree with a caller earlier who said that Mitchell Stark, he, he doesn't have four overs, you know, and mm -hmm. he had 10. 10. 10. Yeah, and I was right. talking to an Australian fan today. Mm -hmm. And he got 10, that he can bowl at 100, he can bowl at 145 kilometers per hour. Mm -hmm. And he can come hunting for wicket for Yorkers. Yes. So, so all batsmen need to understand mm -hmm. that they have to learn to bat situations according to my friend Tony Gray. And, and try to build and try to build partnerships within our mid at the top and in our middle. Mm -hmm. Our top is not, has not been giving us a lot of, in this 50 yeah. over games and put a lot of pressure on that middle order. And I would like to see a settled batting lineup. Yeah. May I play in the first game and he opened batting because Hope was injured. Then you drop you dropped the boy for the second game and brought him back for the third. Mm. So, so we need consistency as well with our batting lineup. I would like to see Captain Pollard have a true position in our batting lineup mm. and stop from shifting mm. about the place. Mm. If he's the key figure in that middle, he has to have a settled number. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, I just want to interrupt you here because Suez Hall is on the line and we want to keep him waiting at all. Suez, uh, good evening to you. Suez? Hello, Suez? I know he was on just a while. Um, hello, Suez? Good evening. Hello. Uh, good evening. Hello. Oh, good, uh, yeah. good evening. Are you hearing us loud and clear, Suez? Well, I'm hearing you, but not particularly loud and clear, but it's been okay. Okay. Well, your, your, your good friend has gone to the, uh, the great beyond, of course. Uh, I spoke to you today, and of course, you would want to pay a tribute to, in relation to Rob Anchor. Oh, yes. Um, I'm so sorry that I couldn't talk to you today because I was out at Cambridge with the guys and, mm -hmm. as you know, it was rather noisy. Mm -hmm. And I had not spoken to Mrs. Banker and I thought that I, I would need to do that before I spoke to anybody else. Uh, yes, the deaths have you know, diminished me. Rob has always been my best friend since he walked through the doors at Commonwealth some 70 years ago. And um, I'd like to you know, give my condolences um, to his two sons and to wife and all the family. I I am diminished, and that is true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can imagine, yes. We won't want to keep you too much longer, uh, so as any, any fond memories in relation to uh, that you want to share with us? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, having gone to... At Commonwealth um, from the age of 11 mm -hmm. to, you know, playing for Commonwealth in all three, um, you know, series. That is, mm -hmm. it's in the second division, in the intermediate, and then playing um, in first division and for um, Barbados and the West Indies. That's a long time. And Roland being really, uh, you know, a, a great man. And um, his expertise as a businessman, mm -hmm. you know, maybe equal but hardly surpass mm -hmm. a black man in Barbados. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, a fantastic man, a man of valor. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, we have all lost a great friend. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And it comes on a very interesting day, um, the first anniversary of the death of Owen Arthur. And of course, tomorrow, the uh, the birthday of the great excellent cigar Phil Sobers.
Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have lost, don't forget, Seymour and, um, you know, Sir Everton and young Mosley. Um, I say young because he was, you know, more than about 50 or 60. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all get him a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. But we, we, you know, we've really been upset from the point of view that we've lost great men. Mm-hmm. And um, Raul has been a great friend, obviously my best friend ever. And I, uh, you know, you know, I'm not, lo- I'm not often lost for words, mm-hmm. but I am now. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, you know, you know, I spoke to his wife only about an hour ago. And, um, you know, just encouraging her to keep the faith and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll get through this. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I know. All right. Well, so there's, we want to thank you for coming through and talking to us on this. And yes, you did, in fact, promise that you were going to um, be with us. Oh, and, yes. we, and we are very, very happy that you um, are with us. And we know how it is. A good friend of yours. And, of course, oh, yes. we want to thank you for coming through and talking to us on, on this and yes. Thank you very much. You know, you know, my world is my bond, so it, it is. I'm very glad to have spoken to you again. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very much. Right. Bye bye. Right. right. Thank you. Right. Well, Tony, I, you you would not have known Rod Branca, but of course, um, on behalf of the people of Trinidad and Tobago, of course, you would want to give a tribute as well, Tony. Yeah. Anybody that has uh, contributed to West Indies cricket and made an indelible contribution at that, uh, you have to say, you know. Um, it's hard to see him leave, but uh, obviously, uh, God knows best. And uh, obviously, um, you know, he's going to be living in our memories uh, forever. So mm-hmm. um, I want to say, on behalf of the people of Trinidad and Tobago, condolences to the family mm-hmm. of this great man. Well, in fact, quite appropriately, we're going to go to Ghana now and talk to a fellow Commonwealthian, of course, Roland Holder. Uh, and Roland, you would want, first of all, to pay your tributes. Roland? Hi, Andrew. Um, good evening to mm-hmm. everybody in the studio and mm-hmm. on the panel and everyone in Barbados. Certainly, um, my condolences go out to the Branca family, of course, the Empire family, of which I'm a right. member, mm-hmm. and the Combermere family, of which I'm a, another member. Um, Royal, I've had great interactions with Royal. Uh, is, if I my first Old Scholars game. I played against Roll, and if I recall correctly, he got me out um, mm. at a tender young age of maybe 13 or 14, I think it was. So, and we've had several great interactions off the field um, at Empire Club, <laughs> at reunions, at um, Cricket Legends of Barbados when he was chairman of the World Cup organizing committee. We had several interactions together. So, Roll has has been someone I've always looked up to, always respected. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's perhaps not surprising that um, we came from the Empire and Combermere family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well. just before um, we, we go any further, of course, uh, we just want to, um, yeah, and we said it earlier on the show, offer our sympathies to his family. I reached out to some members of his family today when I got the news. Um, on a different note, uh, Roland Holder, you're in Guyana. How are things uh, in terms of preparation, everything is going okay? As you wait, the Pakistanis? Yes, so far. Uh, yeah, the Pakistanis are due here tomorrow night, as is the West Indies team and everyone else after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guyana is in, in 
pretty good shape, the usual rain around, so that's no real surprise. But the field looked in, in splendid fashion today. They did a walkthrough with the various administrators here and the security and mm-hmm. all the other people involved in the game here. So Ghana seemed in tip-top shape. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking forward to the game on Saturday and Sunday and uh, hoping that everything goes well. Mm-hmm. Doc, any questions for Roland? Well, I'd also like to express my condolences as well. I didn't have a chance to do that. Um, got to to meet Rawl as as a customer and also as a patient. He taught me a lot about business and his story and uh, about how he's helped so many people and cricketers. And he rest in peace. And you know, I, I like to comfort his family. Um, Roland, uh, we've been talking a lot about pitches. How does the pitch look? Mm. Uh, well, what I can say about the pitch here in Ghana, it hasn't had um, volcanic ash on it, so <laughs> that may have hindered the pitch preparation in Barbados, which I'm pretty sure makes it difficult. It is difficult to get um, ash off a pitch, but um, no such thing here. So the pitch has some grass on it. It actually looks quite nice. Um, there's some rain around, so mm-hmm. potentially we need some sunshine to ensure that it dries out nicely and admirably and able to get some pace in the deliveries because with it, without it drying out, it'll be a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to some sunshine and some heat to, to help dry out the surface and get the pitch um, nice and the ball coming onto the bat nicely. Doc, any further questions or that's it for you? Great. Mm. That's, that's it. That's okay. It. Um, Roland, uh, you, you, you talked about volcanic ash. Uh, so you think that had something to do with the, uh, what happened at Kensington? You, you made several runs at uh, Kensington Nova. Are you surprised with the pitch there, Roland? I do, um, for me, I can understand that I we'll all agree the surfaces mm-hmm. at the one days weren't the best. Mm-hmm. I think if we look at the fact that uh, sh- a short while ago, um, there was quite a bit of ash on the Ooh. outfield and the square at Kensington Oval. Mm-hmm. That that would have had some impact. There hasn't been a lot of cricket played on it since then. Right. So that would have had created an issue. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I am not quite sure that the home side batsmen applied themselves as they could have. Um, okay. mm-hmm. But what it turned out to be. That's what it turned out to be. Well, interesting comments. Well, Roland, we want to thank you very much indeed. I hope that the rain stays away. We know how it is in Guyana um, in terms of rain. Lots of rain there. We hope to be able to get some matches on the weekend. So enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, we want to talk to you again sometime in the near future. All right, Andrew. All the best to you and all the listeners. Right. So just before we go, final comments from our two esteemed panelists. Let's start with Tony Gray, the man in blue, and uh, with a beard which is getting uh, even whiter, uh, Tony. Um, your, your expectations for Pakistan? Do you expect us to beat Pakistan badly? They've been playing good cricket recently. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, Pakistan is going to present uh, the biggest challenge in the T20 format of the game. Obviously, they mm-hmm. lost uh, England 2-1. Uh, but um, this is the final stage in my mind of preparation for the World Cup because after this, the team is going to be disbanded. Right. So we have to 
perhaps formulate our batting lineup for the World Cup for four games straight. As Philo Wallace rightly said, you don't want to uh, dismantle the batting. batting. You want uh, players to understand their roles and be cemented in their roles and develop the chemistry. So, mm-hmm. for example, if we have Hetmeyer batting at the number four position, he must bat at the number four position and form a good chemistry with who's expected about it, uh, number three, Chris Gale. So that's the sort of thing that we want. We have had 13 to 20 games uh, to try different combinations. Right. So this is about structure. Mm-hmm. This is about uh, cementing um, the batting positions, especially, and not trying too many things and developing a winning culture towards the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Final, final words to you, Philo? Well, actually, this is the final countdown. Mm-hmm. So obviously, and selected said there are a few injuries as well. So with McCoy being injured, Ali not available, Fidel Everett struggling, uh, those are going to pose some, some, some different propositions yes. uh, to Captain Pollard. So it, 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 it is going to be a challenge against Pakistan. I've watched them here in England, Andrew. Mm-hmm. And they're keen as mustard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. and Wakar units, they're in the Caribbean and they're looking to do damage. Yes, yes. So we have to play Pakistan hard. They're not going to come at us easy. We need to beat them. To continue our winning ways in, in, in the T20 format, that will give us impetus right. for when we get down to the World Cup in, in Abu Dhabi. So I hope that the T20 squad they tune in and they're ready because Pakistan they're coming looking, looking mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you, Philo. Always good to uh, to talk to you. Always good to, of course, talk to Tony Gray as well. Tony, it's a pleasure to uh, to see you and always defending Pollard as well. You're going to get some lessons for that, you know. <laughs> Um, making that comment that it was, a, it was this boss move by Pollard to bowl two, two overs of spin. Come on. It's a boss move. No, I know. I, but, but, but I always put words in your mouth, huh? Yeah, yeah you're right. Remember Bradford bowling a test match? It's supposed to be a, a good move, eh? Yeah, she got, she got, yes, she got wicked. She got sick. Right. Yeah. right. All right. That's right. But, but I tell you, Bradford is better than Pollard is no spinner. But, uh, I mean, it's worth a try because, as I said before, the Australian batsmen were being combative to the spinners mm. that we have. Right. So, yeah, you had to try something. You had to try something. Time. 152 to defend. Right. On a scale of 1 Not to 10, runs, on a scale of 1 to 10, in relation to that comfortable Pollard, I'm going to give you zero, Tony Gray. Well, all right. You, you're accustomed <laughs> doing that. You're my friend. <laughs> we always have you. Thanks, thanks, thanks to you. Thanks, of course, to Philo Wallace. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh, we heard, of course, earlier uh, in the program, Imran Khan was with us as well. And, of course, Roland Holder spoke to us as well. Roger Harper, the lead selector, and it was really great to hear from Sir Wesley Hall. I'm Andrew Mason. Here's hoping for a bye tomorrow. Good night. Yes, indeed. Good night. You've heard from Mason and Guest. We hope you enjoyed it. Joined us in Sunday from 6 until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to listen to our Cricket Talk, one and only show of its kind at this time on Sundays. Good night. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. <laughs>